Well, good morning and welcome back to Christian Life Academy. This morning is the second Sunday of the month, and so we are in our biblical theology track, which means we are once again discussing how we read and study the Bible. Uh, so uh, last month we skipped this week because of the weather, uh, so it's been two months since we addressed this topic. So I do want to uh, briefly review uh, what we talked about two months ago as we talked about this subject of reading the Bible. Uh, we talked about the importance of why we should read the Bible. Uh, we're going to look at that a little bit again this morning. And we talked about some of the reasons why we uh, fail to uh, diligently uh, read our Bible faithfully every day. And then we briefly began to talk about how we should go about reading our Bible. And we said that we should read our Bible uh, believing that it is the Word of God, that we should read it prayerfully, that we should read it with an eye towards the context so that we're not plucking verses out of context. And then we closed that by saying that we should have a plan for how we go about reading the Bible. So that's what we'll spend a good deal of our time this morning uh, discussing uh, that idea of uh, what is our plan for how we read the Bible. Uh, but let's begin with um, the first step to Bible reading and study is to understand what it is that we're reading. Uh, that uh, we're not reading the newspaper, we're not reading uh, a novel or some kind of book written by a human author. We're reading a divine book. We're reading a book written by God. These are his words to us. Uh, so it's God's word where he has revealed to us. And it's not just a lot of times, you know, we, we, we use silly little acronyms like Bible means, you know, basic instructions before leaving earth or, or things of that nature. Uh, but and in a sense, God does give us instructions for how to know him and how to live uh, life as his people. But this is more than that. This is God revealing himself to mankind. The, the, the Bible is primarily about God. This is his self-revelation of the almighty creator to his creation. Uh, so this is extremely important because we get some revelation of God in nature and in what the reformers called the book of nature, uh, but we get specific revelation in the Bible where we, we specifically uh, are able to learn um, about God's acts in history, about the nature and character of God, and, and, and specifically about Christ, uh, our Savior, who, who came to earth. And so uh, we need to read the Bible with this awareness that what we are reading is the revelation of God to man. Uh, there is a divine author. And so as we look at this uh, fairly large book that we hold, I mean, it's printed on very thin paper. If this was printed in the way a normal book is, it would be uh, a multi-volume set. Uh, this is a huge book, 66 different books written by various men on multiple continents over 1,500 year period, but one divine author, all of it inspired by God uh, for uh, us to know him better and to learn uh, to be in relationship with him. We also need to be aware of the fact that this is a book. This is what God gave us. He gave us words. He intended for us to know him by reading, by reading this book. And so uh, even if you're not uh, a reader, someone who doesn't just consume books voraciously, uh, if you would know God, you must read the scriptures. This is how he has chosen to reveal himself to us. So let's look at a few passages here about the 
value and importance of Bible reading. Uh, specifically, one of the things I want to talk about this morning is the value of reading the whole Bible uh, and not just uh, the parts of it that, that we like better or the New Testament because that's about Jesus and the Old Testament seems old. Uh, what is the value of reading the whole Bible? So we'll start with uh, a passage by now that you know is one of my favorites is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, here Paul is writing a letter to his protege Timothy and he is reminding Timothy uh, to be a man of the word and he is reminding Timothy of how he was raised with the scriptures. And so he tells them in 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 14, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And when he says holy scriptures, what is he referring to? The Old Testament, right? They, they didn't have all of the New Testament. It wasn't complete at that time. So he's referring to the Old Testament that Timothy was raised with from his childhood. Then he says in verse 16, all scripture, so the Old Testament and then even new scripture that is being written by the apostles, is given by inspiration of God. And so this is why we say there's one divine author, all of the scripture inspired by God. And then he says, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then the purpose, that the man of God may be complete or mature, whole, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all of Scripture, including the difficult parts of the Old Testament, are profitable for us. They teach us doctrine. They reprove and correct us. They instruct us in righteousness uh, that we may grow up and be complete, whole, remade into the image of Christ and equipped for the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So all of Scripture is profitable. Even the, the parts of the Old Testament, such as the genealogies maybe, that we find difficult to read, there's some profit in those. And so one of the things, uh, I've been reading a book recently on uh, sermon application, and one of the points that the author makes in there is that one of the questions that we ought to ask of any text of Scripture that we come to study is, what is this text doing? And when he, when he asks that question, he's asking it in regards to 2 Timothy 3.16. Is this particular text of Scripture, uh, is it teaching me some doctrine? Is it reproving me? Is it, is it correcting me? Is it convicting my conscience? Is it instructing me in righteous living? What is this text meant to do? Because the texts are different, right? They're not all the same. Uh, as we'll see this morning upstairs when we look at Proverbs, Proverbs gives us a lot of instruction about wise living and, and some reproof and correction, um, but it, it's very heavy on the instruction side of things. So the texts are different, but the, that's the reason it's important for us to read the whole counsel of God uh, and to be instructed by it in these various ways. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and here Paul writing to the, the Corinthian church, which is largely Gentile. This is a, you know, Corinth is a Greek city. And he's talking to them about the Old Testament. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll read verses 1 through 11. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, 
all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Isn't it interesting that speaking to Gentile believers in Corinth, Paul refers to the ancient Israelites, the patriarchs, as our fathers. They are our fathers, and not just the Jewish uh, ethnicity, but all those who believe are children of Abraham. And so these are our fathers in the faith. All ate the same spiritual food, all, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples. They were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So Paul is telling us that the, the narrative sections of the Old Testament that give us the history of the nation of Israel, the history of the fathers of the faith, that it was written in the Old Testament scriptures for us. It was written for to be examples to us, to admonish us and instruct us. So the Old Testament was written for us. It wasn't just for uh, the Jews uh, and the Jewish religion. It was written for Christians. Uh, so we need to read it with that awareness that uh, the Old Testament, God inspired it to be written for us and for us to learn from it, to learn from their mistakes, uh, to be admonished and reproved and instructed uh, by their example. As well, I'm going to flip back uh, to the book of Numbers and just read one verse to you. But Numbers chapter 14, verse 21 So, well, verses 20 and 21. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Uh, this is God's purpose throughout history, is to fill all the earth with his glory so that all people could see and behold his glory. And so this is one purpose that scripture serves, uh, is to help us see the big picture as we read all of the text, including the Old Testament, it helps us see the glory of the Lord and what he is doing in human history. Uh, and so for that reason, uh, we should not ignore parts of what he has revealed to us. If we turn over to John chapter 5, John chapter 5, and here Christ uh, is teaching, and he says in verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. So he's, again, talking about the Old Testament scriptures and saying that they testify about him. So as we come to the scriptures to read them, we shouldn't ignore the Old Testament and say, well, I just want to read about Jesus, so I want to read the New Testament. The Old Testament is old. The New Testament has stuff about Christ in it. Well, Christ himself said that the Old Testament testifies about him. So uh, we should read all of Scripture. And then finally, in Acts chapter 20, Paul, speaking to the Ephesian elders, tells them that while he was with them, 
and while he taught them, he says in verse 27, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And so this is the idea that we should read all of Scripture so that we get the whole counsel of God. Because like I said, Scripture has these various purposes to instruct us, to train us, to teach us doctrine, to correct us, um, to reprove us. And not all Scripture is doing all of those things simultaneously. So we need the whole counsel of God so that we get all that God has revealed to us and all that he has instructed us in. And so... This is why it's important for us to read the whole Bible uh, and not just focus on the parts that we might like or the parts that seem more exciting. There are advantages to reading the whole of Scripture. It will help us avoid uh, getting hung up on our hobby horses, uh, that maybe we really love the idea of the love of God or the grace of God, and so we just want to turn to those passages that speak directly of those things and read them over and over again uh, and ignore maybe some of the weightier matters where we read about the justice of God or the wrath of God or um, other aspects of God's revelation that are equally important. Um, it, it, reading the whole counsel of God, reading all of Scripture will help us avoid using the Bible as if it were some sort of self-help manual, uh, turning to the parts of it that we think we need. God is wiser than we are. He knows what we need, and that's the reason he has given us this. He could have given us more. He could have given us other things. He didn't. This is what he gave us. He knows what we need uh, for our souls, for salvation, and for instruction in godly living. And so uh, we shouldn't avoid uh, parts of Scripture that God has given us. Uh, he is wiser than we are. It also helps us, um, it helps us see that as we read the whole thing from beginning to end, we read the Old Testament, we read uh, what God did in the history of Israel, and we read that in context with the revelation of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, it helps us recognize and see that the gospel, uh, that Christ's coming was not um, plan B. It wasn't God reacting to a situation that got out of control. This was God's plan from the very beginning. And so when we read the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation and put all the parts together, uh, we begin to see that, that the sovereignty of God and, and the design of God in our salvation, that this was his plan from the beginning to reveal himself in these ways. Uh, and, and so we see that the gospel was plan A, not plan B. Uh, and then also it helps us as we come to the text and we read it and we want to understand it and we have to engage in a certain amount of uh, interpretation as we look at the text. Uh, reading the whole thing, reading the whole counsel of God helps us when we go to interpret it, uh, that we can interpret it properly, uh, that we don't uh, misinterpret things because we've taken it out of context or not uh, put it, especially if you think back uh, to the last time that we discussed this, we talked about uh, the analogy of Scripture and the analogy of faith. And the analogy of Scripture is basically, like I said, using your cross-references, right? Let passages that are more clear help you understand and interpret the less clear passages. The analogy of faith is letting the whole thing as a whole uh, help you interpret a difficult passage by putting it in that larger context to see what the scriptures are about. And so that's one reason that we need to read the whole of scripture so that we don't uh, misinterpret something because we don't understand and don't have a sight of the larger canonical context. So 
we're faced with this difficulty then. We come to this book and we say, well, I want to read it. I want to know God better. I want to be instructed and trained by him. But this is a big book, it's 66 different books, some of them very ancient. There's 1,189 chapters in this Bible. So how do we approach it? How do we, how do we read it? in such a way that we begin to get that understanding of the whole picture uh, and, and to be able to put all the pieces together and to understand what we read. Well, there are various approaches uh, to how we would read the Bible. And so we'll spend the rest of our time this morning talking about those approaches and, and some of the mistakes that we might avoid uh, as we seek to read our Bible. Uh, one, and probably the, the simplest, idea of how, how do we approach reading the whole of Scripture is just to start in the front and read to the back, right? Just read it from front to back, from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and this is the order that the books of the Bible are in, in our Bible, and there is some logic to that order, right? Genesis is the book of beginnings, and, and then you have the, the law there, and then it's kind of organized, more or less, uh, in a logical order. We have historical things together. We have poetry and wisdom literature together. We have prophetic books together. We have the Gospels together, the letters together, and we end with Revelation. So there's a certain logic to that order, and that is a good way to read it, uh, to read through it simply in the order that it's presented to us in our Bibles. But there are other approaches. Uh, you might have at times read chronologically. You might have seen a chronological Bible reading plan that takes you through it actually uh, as close as can be arranged to the order in which events happened and are recorded for us. And so this helps kind of put things in order. It helps us kind of see how all the pieces fit together. One of the interesting things about reading that way is that something like the book of Psalms uh, gets very broken up and, and spread throughout uh, the other Old Testament passages, uh, which can be very interesting. You can start to see uh, as much as we are able to discern uh, what the context of the writing of some of these psalms were, see how they fit into the life of Moses or the life of David uh, and various things. And so it helps us kind of put those in order and see the interconnectedness of all the various parts of Scripture. The difficult thing about a chronological Bible reading plan is that it's very complicated. You'll be reading and skipping all over the place, maybe even reading parts of chapters and then skipping to read something else. Uh, but the, it does have its advantages. Another approach that we might take is to read particularly the Old Testament uh, in the order that it would be found in the Hebrew Bible, uh, organized into three categories that we know as the law, the prophets, and the writings. Uh, and again, the prophets are not what we would typically think of when we think of prophets. Uh, but there's an advantage to reading in that order. This is the order that Christ and the apostles themselves would have been familiar with and how they would have read the Bible. Uh, it gives us the law as foundational, and then it gives us the, the prophetic writings, which includes First and Second Samuel and uh, Kings and some of these other things that we don't normally think of as prophetic. Uh, but it includes those and, and kind of takes us through the history of God's dealings with the nation of Israel. And then you go back through and you read the writings. And this gives us, uh, a, helps us see that same history sort of again, but from the perspective of how did the faithful remnant within Israel respond to those events. Uh, so there's an advantage to reading it that way as well. Another interesting way to read it, uh, which... I am currently doing right now, and, and I've got some reading plans that we'll go over in a minute, um, 
is a redemptive uh, reading plan. And this takes and, and reorders the Bible, and, and it, it doesn't include every chapter in the Bible. It's really a 90-day uh, reading plan that just kind of gives you a, the highlights, the overview uh, of the whole thing. Uh, but this helps you see the major doctrines uh, in Scripture, the elements of redemption in the order that they occur in the Bible, and helps you kind of see the big picture. Uh, the value to this plan I'm finding, even for myself, is it's, it's not a whole Bible reading plan. You're not reading every chapter, but I think it's valuable to read this and then maybe go back and reread the whole thing using another plan, and now you've got a sort of map uh, for the entire scripture that gives you uh, a guide uh, to the forest and how to get through and, and what the major landmarks are. So as you go back and reread the whole thing, now you'll, you'll know where those highlights are and be able to sort of put them in context. And then finally, the other uh, approach to Bible reading that I would highly encourage you uh, to take is to pick a book of the Bible uh, or uh, the Psalms, perhaps, or one of Paul's letters, and, and to read it repeatedly over and over again, to, to dwell in the text. Uh, maybe take a psalm and, and read one psalm every day for a week or take one of Paul's shorter letters that you can sit down four or five chapters like Colossians or maybe Ephesians or Philippians and read that whole letter as a letter and read it every day for a week or longer even and just dwell in that text until you've begun uh, to sort of internalize the main message of it. Uh, you'll be amazed at the things that you'll begin to see in the text. You, you'll read a psalm and you'll think, okay, that's, that's good, that's great, I see some encouraging things here, and then you read it again the next day and the next and the next, and you continue to dwell in that psalm, and you'll, you'll be amazed at the things that you'll begin to discover and the things you'll begin to see that you didn't see on the first reading. Uh, and so there's the great value in dwelling in the text and reading it repeatedly over and over, maybe as many as 20 times before you move on to the next thing. But as we read our Bible, there are some mistakes that we want to avoid, particularly with reading plans. Uh, as we sit down with God's Word to read it, and we've got a reading plan that is full of, it's a big list full of check boxes. We want to be careful that uh, we don't begin to read the Bible uh, simply as another chore on our to-do list just so that we can check the boxes off. We want to make sure that we're keeping before us what the actual goal of Bible reading is, uh, which is to know God better, uh, to engage with God and with his revelation uh, so that, as we saw there in 2 Timothy 3.16, so that we can learn those doctrines and those truths about God so that we can be corrected and instructed and trained uh, in order to live uh, as his sons and daughters. So we need to keep that goal in mind uh, and not get lost in the check boxes and not get caught up in, oh my goodness, I'm falling behind. I missed that day and now I've got to read twice as much so I can catch up and now you're reading fast and not comprehending and you're just checking off the boxes. So the, the goal really isn't to read the whole Bible. I know we're talking about reading the whole Bible, but that's not the ultimate goal. The goal is to know God. Uh, and we know God by reading the whole Bible, but we need to keep in mind that reading the whole Bible is the means to the end. The end is to know God. 
the second mistake that we need to avoid is uh, as we begin to approach this, you'll, you'll see uh, a lot of Bible reading plans that are oriented towards reading the whole thing in a year. You read the Bible in a year. Uh, and that may be a good thing to do, but we want to be careful that we're not uh, so engaged in accomplishing that goal that we're reading faster than we can comprehend, that we're trying to churn through four or five chapters a day or whatever it takes to read through it in a year and to accomplish that goal, and, and we're not really thinking about what we're reading. We're not comprehending it. So we might need to slow down and remember what our goal is. Our goal is to know God, to know Christ, uh, not merely to be able to say we checked all these boxes in 365 days. So we may need to slow down a little bit and savor it, think about what we're reading, marinate in it, so that we can really uh, draw out of it God's revelation to us. The flip side of that is, is we can make the error of reading too slowly. Uh, if we don't, if we aren't diligent in it, if we're not faithful in it, uh, or if we take too small a pieces, uh, it could begin to feel overwhelming, like we're not making any progress. I want to read the Bible. I want to, to know God by reading the scripture, and I'm just not making any headway. I'm not getting anywhere with it. So in that case, we may need to discipline ourselves a little bit to speed up enough that we see some progress in our Bible reading. Uh, again, we shouldn't expect the first time that we read through the scriptures to completely understand it. This is a lifelong endeavor, and so... Uh, yes, there's great value in slowing down and reading and rereading something, uh, but we should also know that we're going to read it and then we're going to come back and read it again at some point in the future and over and over again for the rest of our lives. So it may be helpful at times to speed up a little bit so we can see progress and be encouraged that, hey, I'm doing this. I'm, getting, I'm reading through the scriptures and I'm, I'm not understanding all of what I'm reading, but I'm getting bits and pieces out of it and I'm learning uh, about God and about myself. Uh, so... It may help at times if, if you started, say, with that, I'm just going to start in Genesis and read through to Revelation. Um, Genesis is a lot of narrative, so you might not get that bogged down in Genesis except for the occasional um, you know, family tree and genealogy that bogs you down with a bunch of names. But then you get to Exodus, and there's a lot of story here, and then you get to the second half of Exodus, and there are a lot of instructions for the construction of the tabernacle. And then you hit Leviticus. And there's all these instructions about sacrifices and blood and fire and whatnot. And you can start to get bogged down in some of that thing. So if, if you find that to be the case, then maybe choose a different Bible reading plan that has a little bit of diversity to it uh, so that you don't uh, lose interest or feel like you're getting mired in things that you don't understand. Or, or maybe stick with the Bible reading plan you've got, but simply slow down a little bit and not try to do four chapters a day or whatever, cut back to two and, and go read a psalm or start reading through one of the Gospels along with what you're reading so that you get a little bit of diversity and encouragement as you're reading through it. So where do we, where do we start? Uh, we're going to go through some of these Bible reading plans in a minute, but I want to discuss um, where a person should start reading the Bible because you may have somebody ask you this question. You may have uh, a, a non-Christian or a family member, uh, someone who's nominally Christian or a new believer, go, hey, I want to read the Bible. Where do I start? Uh, and it's not, it's not necessary that everybody start in the same place. Some people might sit down, pick up a Bible, start reading in Genesis and get saved as they're reading starting in Genesis. Uh, but 
my encouragement would be for a new believer or a non-Christian who is interested in the scriptures and asking you, where do I start? Uh, a lot of people will point them towards the Gospel of John, uh, which can be beneficial. John has uh, a lot of uh, wonderful doctrines about Christ and about God, but John is also very philosophical. There's more dialogue, there's more explanation of things. I would might encourage you to point them towards the Gospel of Mark instead. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. It's only 16 chapters. It's full of action. It, the story moves along, but you're getting Christ and you're getting the gospel. Uh, if you read one chapter a day, you can read the thing in just barely over two weeks. It doesn't take a long time to get through it. Um, so I would encourage maybe to start with the gospel of Mark. Another good place to start might be the book of Colossians. It's four chapters. Uh, it's short. It's easy to read. The first two chapters are just full of the glory of Christ. Uh, they give us a wonderful doctrine of Christ. And then the second two chapters are very practical on how do we take that doctrine and apply it in our lives. How do we live uh, in light of those first two chapters? Uh, so you could read the whole letter of Colossians in one setting fairly easily. It's four short chapters. Uh, aside from that, uh, if you're looking for yourself on how I want to reread the Bible, I want to read through it again, uh, what, how should I approach that, I would encourage you to maybe adopt this, uh, historical, or this redemptive historical reading plan that I've got an example of. Um, the other thing I might encourage you to do is uh, to read through the Bible with another person, uh, to find a new believer or a non-believer that was willing to read this Bible with you and meet them once a week. Uh, and read together and discuss what you're reading. Or, or if you're just your own personal reading at home, uh, pick one of these other Bible reading plans and read through the whole scripture at a, at a pace that is sustainable where you're making progress but you're not overwhelmed. Uh, maybe read along with whatever is being preached uh, in church. This month it's the book of Proverbs. Uh, we'll begin James uh, probably in April. Uh, so you could read along with whatever it is that we're preaching or read through the Psalms as Paul's bringing us devotionals on Wednesday night from the Psalms. You could even read uh, whatever Psalm he teaches from that Wednesday night. You could take that Psalm and read it and meditate on it uh, for the following week until the next Wednesday night uh, so that you could uh, help to internalize those things that he's brought out of the text. Uh, if you're having difficulty with something, read it repeatedly. Uh, start to en engage the text with some commentaries or other ways to help you learn it. Uh, pick one book, like I said, and read through it over and over again until you've really begun to understand it. Uh, so there are various approaches and they all have benefit and value. So I do want to go over a few of these Bible reading plans that are available and if anybody's interested in these, um, you can take this one or I can email you or print another copy uh, for you. Here is one that is that just going to start in Genesis and read through to Revelation sort of thing. Uh, so they call it a one-year Bible reading plan, and it has you reading about three chapters a day in order to get through the entire scripture in a year. Uh, you don't have to do it in a whole year. Right? You can just read at your own pace and just take it in this order and use the list to help keep track of where you're at as you read through it. Uh, but it has you reading approximately three chapters a day, uh, and you'll get through it in one year's time. Another approach uh, that you might take is this uh, one-year historical reading plan, uh, and this takes you through the text in a, a slightly different 
um, order. It would take you through Genesis, uh, straight through um, all of the, the books of Moses through Deuteronomy, and then you would read Joshua and Judges, skip Ruth and read First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and then it would move you into Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, and then you would loop back through and read some of the other books that you skipped at some point. But this will get you through the Bible in a year, reading it in this order. This is uh, sort of, I think, the, the order that they are presented in the Hebrew uh, scriptures. Uh, so that, there can be value in that. Uh, here's one from the Navigators. Uh, that I've used in the past. This is uh, one that would just have you reading one book of the Bible at a time. Uh, and so it would have you start uh, in Matthew. It kind of jumps around. It has you read different things just to keep it diverse. You'd read Matthew and then Acts and then a section of Psalms and then Genesis and then you'd move on to another section of the Psalms and then Exodus. And, and, and so it'll kind of skip you around and, and give you a little bit of diversity as you read through it. And you can read through that at your own pace, whether that's one year or two years or, or however you, you choose to approach it. Uh, here's a chronological Bible reading plan that we spoke about. Uh, this will start in Genesis and have you read Genesis 1 through 11 and then stop and go read um, the book of Job. Uh, which actually happens very early in the history of mankind. And then you'll go back to Genesis and you'll read through uh, you know, Genesis and Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then you'll start jumping around a little bit more. Some of the Psalms start getting sprinkled throughout there, especially as you get into Samuel and Kings. Uh, and so that can be a very interesting uh, way to read the Scripture and get that historical view of how to read it. Here's one that is from uh, Ligonier from Table Talk Magazine, their reading plan to read the Bible in a year. Uh, and this has you reading in two places each day in the Old and the New Testament. So Genesis and Matthew simultaneously uh, as you work your way through uh, various, the arrangement there. But it would have you get through the whole Bible in a year uh, reading in two places each day in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, here's another one that I, I thought was very interesting. This is a 52-week a Bible reading plan, so it doesn't necessarily give you specific readings for each day of the week, but it gives you readings for the week, and so then you can kind of tackle them in that way. And so uh, what it does, though, is it divides the, the Scripture up into uh, sort of categories of texts, such as the law, history, the Psalms, poetry, uh, prophecy, the Gospels, the Epistles, and so you get a reading in each one of those each week. Uh, and so it actually has you begin in Romans, Genesis, uh, Joshua, Psalms, Job, Isaiah, and Matthew, all in the first week, and then you kind of read through it. So each week you're reading something out of each one of those categories of biblical text, uh, which can be interesting. Uh, here's a, a more colorful one, and this one is not really a Bible reading plan. This is just the whole Bible on one sheet of paper, uh, each book of the Bible, every chapter in that book, and so you can just read in whatever order you want and just mark off what you've read so that you can make sure that you're reading the whole counsel of God and not uh, skipping over stuff. So you could take a year, two years, three years, or three months, however you wanted to do it, uh, to read through the Scripture and just keep track of what you've read and make sure that you're reading uh, the whole thing. Uh, here's a different approach. This is a two-year Bible reading plan uh, that would have you get through the scriptures in two years. And 
It has you reading in two places each day. Uh, begins in Genesis and Psalms and has you working your way through. So it's a little bit slower pace. It's about two chapters a day that more or less uh, that would have you get through all of Scripture in a two-year period. Uh, here's another one that's a three-year Bible reading plan. So they've got it broken down so that you can read the whole Scripture in three years. And it is about one chapter a day. So you can see that if you read just one chapter a day, you would get through the whole Bible in three years. So if three or four chapters a day seems overwhelming, start with something like this and know that in a three-year period of time, you could get through the whole Bible. Um, here is a, another one from the Navigators that gives you um, a New Testament Bible reading plan that they call the 5 by 5 by 5 plan. It's five minutes a day, five days a week, and then they give you five ways uh, to dig deeper into the text as you're reading through it, some kind of some hints and clues about how to think about what you're reading. And so it just has one chapter a day that you're reading through. It's just the New Testament, uh, but it'll get you through it in about five minutes a day, uh, five days a week. So you got a little slack time there on Saturdays and Sundays to catch up if you're falling behind. And then here's that redemptive historical Bible, Bible reading plan that I mentioned to you. And what I like about this one is uh, it starts off and you can see the, the major doctrines that it's pointing out, creation, the fall, original sin, and judgment, God's covenant promise to Abraham, uh, promise continued through the patriarchs. Uh, it'll take you through the Exodus, God's covenant with Moses, the rebellion in the wilderness. It takes you through the redemptive historical aspects of the scriptures. And what it does is it'll have you read Genesis 1, in the beginning God, and so you're reading about creation, but you also read John 1, in the beginning was the word. Uh, and then as you move through, uh, you read perhaps about uh, the heavens declare the glory of God in Psalm 19, but then you're also reading 2 Corinthians 4 that talks about the light of Christ. Uh, you might read um, a part about um, promises that were made in the Old Testament and then skip and read the, the, where those promises are fulfilled in the New Testament. Uh, you might read about uh, the, the Decalogue, the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus, and then you would skip and read Jesus' exposition of those in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so it kind of ties those pieces together so that you get all the major doctrines of the Scripture uh, all the way down to anticipating the day of the Lord and the final judgment, but you read about it in the Old Testament and the New, and it kind of helps you tie those two things together in a very helpful way, I've found. So uh, these are some various Bible reading plans. If anyone's interested in them, you can either take the copy I've got here. We can make more copies, or I can email it to you. Uh, but I encourage you to uh, read the whole Scriptures. Uh, dedicate yourself to reading through the entire Bible uh, with some sort of plan in mind about how you're going to accomplish it so that you can be certain that you are reading the whole counsel of God uh, and being instructed by it. Uh, so let's close in a word of prayer.